It's 4 o'clock on a Monday, and you know what that means, don't you? It's time for another exciting episode of Taxi TV Live. Woohoo! Woohoo! Yeah, what would it be like without the woohoo? With this week's special guest, Mr. Chuck Henry. You're listening to the show on your computer. Oh, shit. Sorry about that. I With my instructions actually said, no, no, don't listen to the show. There we go. Hi, Chuck. Hello. Sorry. Hello, everybody in the room. Good to see you. Um, so I will admit, and I want to apologize to all you guys and to Chuck up front before we really get into the show today, to let you know that uh, my daughter was up all night with violent tummy issues to the point where this morning she said, Dad, you have to take me to the hospital. So we spent the day in the ER and uh, thank God, it, they thought it was a, a burst appendix, but it wasn't. It was something else that not nearly as serious. And so just got back to the office about an hour ago, which means that I didn't do my usual show prep uh, that I would do. But Chuck sent me really copious notes about things that he thought would be interesting to talk about. So I'm literally just going to use his notes as my launching pad. So thank you, Chuck. So I, I, realize, I, I realize today's a very sad day. I, I didn't realize it at first until the day, but nine years ago today, my mom passed away. Really? Oh, I was like, wow. It's been nine, nine years, years already? I know, right? Wow. Know. And you're sitting in her house right now. Which yeah. is now your house. Where I grew up. Yeah. Well, where you got older. Yeah, I got, yeah, exactly. I never <laughs> grown up. <laughs> I refuse to grow up. That's not going to happen. Anyway, uh, Chuck started out a zillion years ago uh, playing p piano. Actually, I, I met him, I think, the first time playing piano underneath an escalator, playing a baby grand in a Nordstrom department store. And we became friends. He joined Taxi. Um, he quickly rose to become one of our most published and, um, you know, members with the most sinks, definitely a member of that elite club of people who got a lot of action. And it got to the point where he had more requests for music than fingers on his hands to make the music. And he reached out to me and said, hey, uh, or no, actually, that wasn't you that reached out. You just started a library on your own like 15 years ago or something. And uh, it has, I'm not going to mention the name actually, because as much as I would love to, this will go out to people who aren't members that may, you know, abuse uh, knowing the name and hit you with 10,000 emails. Anyway, he's done very, very well for a lot of taxi members. Um, he, he has probably, what'd you say, something like 80% of the music in your library comes from taxi? I think like 90%, really. Wow. Well, I appreciate that. Your fellow members appreciate it. Um, Chuck has been on panels at the Road Rally. He's been on several taxi TVs. Uh, Chuck's volume is two notches quieter than your level, Michael. Um, can you turn up your microphone input on your computer, please? If not... How to do that. Here. Uh, I, brought up, I brought up your input here. Talk to me for a second. Talk to me for a second. Is that better? Keep talking. Keep talking. Keep talking. I'm looking for my settings on my stupid Are you laptop. on a Mac? I'm on a Mac, yes. Okay, so yeah, go into settings, go to volume, go to input. You'll see your microphone and just bring it up about an eighth of oh, an inch. Oh, sound. 
Yeah. Uh, out, not output. Oh, input. Oh, here we go. Let's try. Is that better? I hope so. All right. That's all the way up. Well, well not gotta, all the way up. But... Yeah, I got to bring you down a little here now. All right. <laughs> Whoa. Should Did that work? To... Yeah. <laughs> and then some. Yay. All right. Anyway, awesome. um, Chuck is down yeah, there. That, that 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 time that I saw you or met you, well, I met you, but I saw you at Nordstrom. Gosh, that was so long ago. You had just finished the rally, and I was at the rally, and I think it was a Monday. Um, and I'm sitting there playing on the, on the escalator, and I see you like I think that's Michael Lasco. I gotta go say hi to him. Right, like, just Deb and I you, doing a little post rally like, shopping. Why are you not just sleeping in bed after the whole weekend <laughs> of the rally? Aren't you just like completely zonked? Excuse me. You know, I'm. I like to go shopping. My wife does yeah. not. I love to go grocery shopping. I love going to the mall. I don't need to buy oh. anything. I don't buy a lot of stuff. I just enjoy the experience of getting out and doing it. My wife would rather go hiking. I would rather go shopping or I'm window insane. shopping. I hate shopping. I'd rather go hiking. So I'm with her on that one. <laughs> well, next time you're back in LA and Deb is here at the same time, I'll set the two of you up on a hiking date and I'll watch like HBO. I, I know all the best hiking trails in LA. So Ooh, good to know. I'm sorry I couldn't be there with you this week. I'm on at my other house this week, and we could have gone out for sushi afterwards, but we will. I get back, I get back on Monday, right in time for the rally. Yeah. Oh my God, that's a week and a half away. I know. Yeah. Don't remind me. I was here all weekend again working out, but I got to tell you, it's shaping up so incredibly well. I was also working on the sequels that will take place. Those are the the live uh, uh, videos that we do that on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday following the rally. Starting yeah. at, fr going from like three o'clock to 6.30, I think, Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday, three o'clock. Oh, wow. Anyway, um, so I said to Chuck, well, what do you want to talk about? Because we do love talking about stuff, and he's got some really great advice, incredibly good advice. And he says, so I started compiling ideas. Here's the first wave. And I went, first wave? Oh my God, the guy sent me like 4,000 words of stuff. <laughs> so let's just... Yeah, let's I just, just started, do it. I started typing stuff. Well, you did. Uh, I don't know what kind of coffee you were drinking, but apparently it had a pretty <laughs> high level of caffeine. So the first thing on the list is one of the topics I think would be great to talk about is this. How many times have you heard members, taxi members, griping and complaining about getting a bunch of forwards yet never hearing anything back? Um, well, as someone who has been on both sides of the coin, which you clearly have, as a member for years and now as a successful library owner running listings, I can offer a lot of insight to that. I know what it. Uh, I know that it makes some members say crap like "taxi is a scam," the listings aren't real, blah blah blah. Well, I can put an end all that nonsense. I have 350 plus writers on my roster, 90% of which came from taxi listings. So yeah, not a scam. So elaborate, um, give us how you felt when you were a member and you would get forwards and not hear anything. I'm sure you can relate to that. Yeah, I mean, even myself, you know, there were times back in the day years ago when I was a member and I got frustrated myself as well sometimes when I get all these forwards and not hear anything back. I'm like the heck man um but now being on the other side of the coin i see how it works 
you know, just because you get a forward does not mean you're going to be called back the very next day or even the next week. You know, it's, it's libraries work different ways or supervisors, um, whatever. And there's a lot of reasons for that. Well, what are they? Um, okay, for instance, when I run a listing, I'll get anywhere from maybe one to 40 plus forwards. From tax, right. From okay. tax, yeah. And I'm guessing that that's contingent on what you run. If you run singer songwriter, you might get 20, 30, 40 forwards. If you run, you know, Dutch um, electro metal, <laughs> you might yeah, get. Yeah, well, I was going to say, you know, I, I, there have been times when Tom has emailed me back and said, uh, sorry, dude, we didn't find a single one. Uh, for this, we can try to run it again if you want. That's probably some of my really obscure listings, like uh, you know, Czechoslovakian death polka. Well, I didn't run that, but you know, <laughs> something really, really wacky. Sometimes I'll get one or two forwards, two or three, whatever, and that's of course not enough to make a full album. So I might put that on the back burner and come back to it and run the listing again. So now those um, people that got forwarded for that are going, well, what the heck? Taxi forwarded yeah. my music. I can't imagine because in my mind's eye, the library owner is sitting there rubbing his hands together going, where's that music? Oh, there it is. It's great. I'd like to sign it. And they just can't imagine that you're not picking up the phone or sending an email within 24 hours. Yeah. And libraries and supervisors, they do not sit here checking their email every five minutes waiting for the followers to come in. Right. You know, we're, we're all quite busy, especially supervisors. Um, and there's been some instances where I have gotten forwards and I didn't feel that they fit really well for what I was actually looking for for that particular project or album or whatever. Normally, however, I get a very good selection to pick from. I mean, I taxi members are amazingly talented and I have gotten some awesome music and that's really what's built my entire catalog is is from taxi members there you go <laughs> so when you get forwarded that means your track is in the upper echelon the upper top percentile of the tracks that were submitted and um they well, made the first I, I, can I please correct you on that? It's not that we do it like, let's find the best 10%. That just means that they were on yeah. on target and really good. Okay, sorry. <laughs> and that's the first cut. And then I'll make the final selection um, from that. Um, on a typical hey. one, and I understand it's going to vary by genre, but let's say that you've gotten 22 forwards on pop rock instrumental cues. Um, what percentage of those 22 hypothetical ones might you sign? Would you, are you just looking for 10 or 12 for an album? Would you sign 18 of them if you found 18 that you thought fit your client's needs really well? How do you, how do you make that decision? When I get uh, the forwards, Usually when they come in, I'm excited to listen to them. So I'll just do a quick listen through and, you know, and make mental notes. But then when it's time to actually do 
the process, I will listen to every song, every track, whatever. I'll make detailed notes. Um, I'll go back and listen again. And then from those, I will pick the ones that I think work best for what I'm looking for. Sometimes it can be the majority of them, sometimes just a few. It, 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 everyone is different. There's no certain percentage that I take. And are you making that decision based on stuff that you hear? Is the yes or no based on, I think my clients that I'm currently working with and the people I imagine that I will be working with into the future, that this would be good for their shows versus, oh, I love that piece of music. I mean, you don't, I don't want to put words in your mouth, but I'm guessing you don't sign stuff just based on, I love this. It's got to be, well, I, know I, I, I love work. it and I can make money with it and, and I yeah. can make money for the creator with it. Yeah. I mean, I've been doing this for 20 whatever years, so I know what works um, production music wise and that, I guess, helps my final decision. I know if this will work in a certain media, TV show, ad, whatever. But it has to be great music too, you know, right. lots of other elements as well. Um, all right, so let's move on to the second thing on your list. Um, that I'm and I myself, oh, this is part of the same thing. I would get frustrated at the lack of callbacks, but now I see it all how it all works. Just because you get a forward doesn't mean the library, whoever's going to be calling you back, many reasons. So we covered that. Um, when you start the process, explain the process. Let's say that you've gotten 40 forwards and you find 18 that you want to add to your catalog um, and you've listened to them a couple of times each and you've thought about, yeah, these would make a great album together. These would have broad appeal to my client base. What's the next step that you take as a library owner? I contact each one of those writers, composers, and uh, say that I'm interested in signing your track or tracks. Tell them a little bit about the the catalog and, and that, and uh, that's, that's where it starts. Uh, and do you do that by phone or by email? Email. I don't think anyone does anything by phone anymore. I still like the phone, but I'm old. What can I say? Uh, <laughs> so you reach out in an email. What percentage of those people get back to you in what I would consider a, a, a good a reasonable amount of time within the context of business etiquette, which I would say people should get back to you later that day or the next day. What percentage of the people that I, you've reached out to get back to you pretty quickly? I would say 90%. Um, there have been a few instances, which I think you talked about before, when members get contacted and they kind of run and hide and are scared because you said they've you've talked to them and they've said things like, Oh, I, I got contact, but I was scared they're going to steal my song. Yeah, I have um, talked I about that. So I, do you ex do you experience that where, you, you know, the 10% who don't get back to you? Excuse it me. Might be they less ever... than, it might be less than 10%. Um, there have been a few times. Uh, well, first of all, my email from my domain address sometimes goes into spam. So I write back again with an alternate Gmail address. And usually immediately like, oh yeah, I just checked it. It went to spam, thanks for trying it again. So that 
almost always works. There have been a few times, I, I try three times. After the third time, I'm done. And there's been a few that have not gotten back at all. Wow. I don't know the reason. You know, I like to give everyone the benefit of the doubt. Who knows what their story is? Um, I can say that if they're, if they decided in that time period they didn't want to sign to a library or the track had already been taken, I would say at least have the good business sense and decorum to just write back and say, hey, sorry, you know, thanks, but I've already, I've, I've changed my mind or it's already been taken, whatever. So just don't leave me. Somebody that we both know well that owns another library, we actually know a lot of somebodies who own other libraries, but <laughs> um, they will, they have complained to me over the years that they spend a lot of time, first of all, deciding, does this work for my library and my clients? Second of all, they reach out to people, they don't get back to them, finally they do connect, uh, and they've done due diligence. What is some of the due diligence that library owners do? Because I think a lot of people out there think it's just a signature on a contract, you make money or you don't, and they don't realize that there's a lot of behind the scenes legwork that's quite tedious. Can you elucidate as to what that tedious work is? Well, yeah, for all, when I get forwards in, I'll always research the composer because it has their name. So I'll go to uh, Facebook or, or Google or whatever and just try to find out what I can find on them. What kind of stuff are you looking for? A criminal record, um, an OnlyFans page, like what? <laughs> <laughs> just to make, well, just to kind of sneak and see what kind of music they have and what they're doing and make sure they're not nuts, I guess. Um, just to find out what I can find out on them. Uh, All right. Sometimes there's nothing. Um, what else, what other kind of stuff do you do? Do you have to like verify ownership? Um, how do you go about making sure that they don't have a vocalist on there who didn't sign a... Uh, a work for hire, all those little things that can come well, back to yeah, bite that always, that always has to be asked um, before we do the, the contract. That's all very important. If there's any co-writers, they have to be signed on as well. Yeah, I don't can't take, oh, he says it's okay for me to use this. No. Everyone has a sign-off so I know who is a writer, writers on this track, and what the percentage splits are. Because, um, you know, if you come back later and like, well, I wrote 80% of that, he wrote 20%. Well, if it's right there in the Schedule A, it shows exactly the splits and who wrote what and percentage, all in writing and signed. And that's very important to have. Have you ever had people claim that they wrote 50-50 on something and then their co-writer comes out of the woodwork at some point and, argues that no actually he was a minor contributor i'm the one that did most of the right a any and not that specific thing or not limited to that specific thing but have you had collisions where um the other people involved in the creation of a track whether they're a vocalist a writer whatever capacity come out of the woodwork and you find out that the person you originally signed the deal with wasn't as honest as they should have been I have not, not wow. because 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 You're everything, lucky. yeah. Every every co-writer signs an agreement, 
and signs of Schedule A, like I said, that shows the splits. So it's all in writing with their signature. Um, so what other things does a library owner do? You've now conversed one way or another with, with the creator, the writer, composer, uh, artist, whatever <laughs> amalgamation uh, um, uh, of those things that they are. And now um, you, you've sussed them out. You've looked to make sure they don't have a criminal record. They're not wanted by the FBI, anything like that. Um, you've probably checked ASCAP and BMI to make sure that they're kosher with a PRO. Um, what's the, so you create the contract, the Schedule A, you list off the songs that you want on Schedule A or the tracks, you send it to them, they sign it, they send it back to you. What happens then? Is there anything regarding okay, now send me higher quality files, um, or I need you to trim the air off of the front and the back of these, or give me metadata. What sorts of things would a typical library owner ask from a typical content creator? Before I do the contract, uh, I have to get all their information. I say their full name. And one thing that I try to stress, which is so important, is your name exactly as you have it registered with the PRO. Okay. Why because, is that important? Yeah. Because for Q sheets, it has to match what is in the PRO database. So if you but, go by Jonathan on formal stuff like contracts, but you go by Johnny or John um, colloquially as the artist's name or something. Yeah. If you go with John there and Jonathan there, you're not going to get a paycheck. That could very well happen. There have been so many times and I cross reference every time I'm doing a contract just to make sure. And there have been so many times when I've gone to the PRO database and the name they gave me is not what's in the database. <laughs> I don't know why they can't, do that, you should know how you're, you know, have yourself registered with the PRO. Wow. And, you know, a lot of libraries, they don't have time or really take time to do that. So they'll just take whatever information you give them. And if it's not right, you might not get paid on that. It's sad when you've actually gone to the trouble of doing whatever it is you do that causes you to earn income and you don't take mm -hmm. the last step. It's like rolling the dice in Monopoly, but not moving the little top hat, you know? It's yeah. like, why wouldn't you do that? Following directions, it's... When you, um, when you put together an album, I've never asked this question in all the years I've been doing taxi TV and road rally panels, but when you put together an album, people still call them albums because they, not that long ago, they were still producing. Well, actually, actually, an album is a collection of songs. Right. So an album can be a CD, it can be an album on Spotify, it can be an album wherever. But like record, that's like the vinyl. So when you put that album together, how do you decide what the order is? We always have a tough time amongst us, myself and the guys in the A&R department, deciding how we're gonna order the stuff that goes on our compilations. And our compilations, almost everything on them gets signed. 
And, and we really, really work hard to make sure that the order is good. Um, I'm curious to hear what you do to pick the order. Normally, I like to have some of the best tracks up front, but um, I'm very particular with that. And I just like, I just, I, I, I like the flow. I see how the flow goes. And one thing I make sure not to have is two tracks in the same key right after one another. Interesting. What's the logic in that? It might sound too, too similar. Okay. So I like to have a flow which there's, you know, it's just, it just flows well. I don't know how else to say it. You know, I can't tell you how many libraries owned by people that I know, love, and respect that I've gone to, and they will have an album of all one person and maybe three albums of that one person doing a very similar or the same genres. And if you go to dramedy, like 80% of the dramedy cues are this one person. And mm -hmm. there's really very little way to stop it from sounding kind of homogenous at that point. Yeah. If it's the same same writer brain, the same gear, the same everything, this stuff is gonna sound very similar. I've always encouraged people in private, it's like, dude, mix it up or do that, whatever. I know plenty of female library owners, or several, I should say, not many, but why don't they um, show more variety? Because if I put myself in the shoes of an editor and it's 1030 at night, and all I want to do is finish this scene and, and go home and have a life. Uh, and you're <laughs> listening and you go, eh, sounds like a, you know, a derivative of the last one. And this one, the, you know, kind of same sentiment, same instruments, blah, blah, blah. I would think they would mix it up more. Is there a good argument to be made that counters what I've just said, where you are better off, like here's everything created by Chuck Henry, here's everything by Matt Vanderbilt, where they're kind of organized by composer rather than mixed up? Well, I, I got a, a, someone submitted a, a solo piano album one time a few a number of years ago. And I guess there were 10 tracks and every track on the album was in C major, except for one was in A minor, mm. which is a relative minor of C major, <laughs> you know, all the white keys. And I'm like, dude, really? You can't play something in D flat or A flat minor or, or F sharp? So yeah, if an album just sounds monotonous, every track sounds kind of the same, eh. Not really well, fond okay. of that. So what do you do then as a library owner when you are figuring out how to present these things, either in playlists that you send out or the way that they're organized, uh, you know, in your online library or online catalog? Um, what are some of the things that a library owner might think of when it comes to creating the order? Do you go for up-tempo first and mid and down-tempo after? Do you go for bright, positive, uplifting first and then contemplative or introspective later? Is there any rhyme or reason to it? Any like strategy or is it gut feeling? 
Mostly gut feeling, definitely. Uh, it depends who the playlist is being made for, what the project is, or the, the show. Like I said, I'll try to put the best stuff up front and make a varied playlist so that, uh, like I said, it flows well. But really, like you said, it's just a gut feeling. It's just, just this creative ideas that I have, I guess. I don't know how to explain it. I just, I just a sixth sense. Well, that's know, probably. I just, I just, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll, I'll play the playlist. I'll listen to it, you know, each track, you know, one through 10, whatever it is. I'll say, oh, yeah, that's a, that's a good, uh, that's a good list there. And then I might change some things. Oh, I think this needs to go up front more and bring this one down. It's just, it's, it's just what I feel works. There's really no rhyme or reason. Let's talk about, let's give people who aren't yet very experienced in the music library game a little inside baseball peek behind the curtain. I think a lot of people think that when they get signed to a production music library, which is essentially a kind of a hybrid between a record label and a publisher for a specific purpose, which is placement in media, mm -hmm. um, that they still think in the old school mindset of somebody loves my song, somebody just signed my song, they're gonna champion my song or track, whatever the case is. And in their mind, they actually kind of think of all your energies are gonna be focused on that one new piece or several pieces of music from that creator. And that you're gonna pick up the phone and send out emails and send out playlists and do all this stuff that's very kind of proactive to market that one person's material because that's the way the industry used to be. You know, mm -hmm. it used to be Warner Chapel signed, signed a new writer they would sit down and make a casting list of, okay, well, these people in the industry would probably be good people to cut this person's music because they're a match, stylistic match. So what is the reality of once, going back to my earlier question, okay, so now you've signed the deal, the paperwork, you've gotten the music, you've created an album, then what? Does it just go on a virtual shelf and wait for the day that one of your existing or a new client calls up or emails and says, I gotta quit saying call. Uh, somebody reaches out and says, uh, hey, do you have any contemplative, contemplative, sad contemplative music about loss? Um, or do you send out, hey, I just signed Michael Lasko's new song about sad contemplative loss. How does the marketing and the usage come about? It's both. Um, if I have had a request from a music supervisor, um, then if I'm putting that album together, as soon as it's done, I will send them the album or if they have contacted me and say, I'm looking for blah, blah, blah music, I'll put playlist and send those um other otherwise we're just cranking out albums which i feel will work in tv and film and ads and as soon as those are done and they go live they're sent to all of our sub publishers around the world which is about i think over 80 countries now so it's wow. worldwide so, and then all those sub-publishers, sub-publishers do with it with, in their territories and they get it placed 
you know, uh, worldwide. Uh, let's talk about the whole sub-publishing thing. Uh, being okay. a, f a friend of yours, I'm pretty familiar with how long and how hard and diligently and kind of methodically you've been working on setting up some sub-publishing things. Uh, there are companies out there like APM, which is Associated Production Music, which brilliant business model. They basically took music libraries from all over the world, put them under their umbrella so that somebody in Lafayette, Indiana has access to a catalog that emanated from Lyon, France and vice versa. And yeah. so wasn't that long ago that if you wanted to be, if you wanted world worldwide distribution, you went with a major company like that because that was something they afforded you. And you actually didn't make less money because they would do the split with, you know, if, that library in Lyon, France, got um, a Chuck Henry piano thing into a Saab, well, no, a Peugeot commercial. Trying to keep my, keep keep my brands correct here for the country, um, and now so APM would make half the money on mm -hmm. the publisher side, and you know, uh, you know. Uh, Gilbert's production music library in Lyon, France would make the other half of the money on the publisher side and the writer side that you always own, um, you as the, the creator, stays the same. So it's a, it's a good arrangement for everybody. The music makes it out to a world of possibilities all over the globe um, and a publisher would rather take half of what they'd normally make because they're bringing in increased possibilities and deals and the writers love it because now they're getting this worldwide distribution. Uh -huh. You and a handful of other hardworking music library owners that I know said, you know what, rather than doing a deal with one of the major companies like that, I'm gonna send out emails. I'm gonna identify who all these libraries are all over the world. I'm gonna vet them to see if they are in fact, get, you know, because anybody can put up a website with music on it. So you got to do a little vetting and make sure that they're good. And then you reached out to them. I mean, I, you know, you and I talk a couple, three times a month on, a, on the regular. And it's like, oh, man, I've been just killing it with getting these libraries. So you reach out and say, hi, my name is Chuck. I own this music library. We've been around for X number of years. Uh, we get a lot of cuts on these networks with shows like this. And I'd be interested in talking to you about a sub pub deal. Um, are they usually happy to hear from you and like, oh man, I would love to do that? How does that go? Uh, but it depends. Lately, they are all so saturated. A lot of them are saying that we're not taking on any new labels or libraries at the moment. Um, it used to be a lot easier, but like, you know, for instance, uh, let's take you know, South Korea, for instance. Um, I have no, uh, I don't know anyone in Zacharia, so our sub-publisher there is able to work it in that country and get all sorts of placements um, in television and ads and films that I would never be able to do because I don't know that market. I don't even speak Korean. Really? So that's, you know, and I thought really, I knew you I, well. I didn't know that you didn't speak Korean. <laughs> but Steve Barrett speaks a little bit of Korean, though. <laughs> he does? Wow. Yeah. Yeah, he's been in Korea a few times. That's interesting. Um, 
but yeah, just all these companies that I are countries that I would probably never even get to visit, uh, especially now because my passport's expired. But um, yeah, they, they they have their market and their customers, whatever they work with in those in those countries, and then we get them the music and they exploit it in those territories, and it's great. Um. What percentage of your business now that you've gone to all that effort and made these deals on a global basis, what percentage of your library's income comes from foreign sub-pub deals versus the regular way you did business before in North America only? Well, the business has changed so much in the past 10 years that, you know, 10 years ago, it was so easy. There's only a handful of libraries and now I think there's about Three million or something. <laughs> uh, so I had to expand and you know go international, but I just started that what two years ago, two and a half. Okay. Yeah. So it's just starting to pick up, but that's probably like about uh, getting to be like twenty five percent, I guess, of the income. All right. And it takes it takes about three years to be established with each sub publisher, which we're coming up on. So um, and every distribution period has gone up and up and up. So that's very, very encouraging. That's great. Well, you deserve it. I, I'm one of the few people that knows how hard and how many hours you put into that. And you had to sacrifice, you know, you're, you no longer really compose because you're busy with the business side of things. I know that sucks too. Yeah. I miss that. And I always heard, you know, people who have started their uh, own libraries who are composers, they back before, way before I did, they always said, Oh man, I, I sure miss writing and composing. I miss being creative. I'm like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I won't. Yeah, it does. You don't have time for that anymore much. Yeah. I know from a little personal experience that running a business is often, 100% of the time, harder than anybody could possibly imagine. They just yeah. don't know, and that's why most businesses don't succeed past the first year, certainly past the first five, is that it it's it consumes your life it, does. It, it, it literally my only regret in life honestly i've got very few regrets if any but one is that taxi has stolen a lot of my time from my family and i regret that now but you try and make amends um yeah i mean i'm literally up at like 5 5 30 every morning right at it again yeah wow it, it, it's so funny people i i see people saying online, why would I want to sign with a library and give them half the money? What do they do for that? They have no idea. So I'm, I'm glad yeah. that you're talking about it. Um, one of the topics that you brought up in, in your email to me was, um, is it better to submit multiple tracks or is it better to submit only one? Um, I'm not going to read your answer, which you you wrote in here, but go ahead and address that. So you're talking about if, if a taxi member sees a taxi listing, uh, and let's say it's for dramedy, just because that's the one that always pops into my head. <laughs> I don't want to you know strain my brain too hard. Um, and, and they've got five dramedy tracks and they love them all. They just created them a week ago. They're fresh, they're new, they're enthused about it. They submit all five or should they submit one? And you say? I say uh, the answer to that is yes and no. Um, wow. 
if a member submits one track and it's just freaking awesome, I'm going to contact that member and try to sign that track. And when I contact them, I always ask them if they have more like that. Sometimes they do. Sometimes they're like, well, I can write more. I say, great, have at it. Uh, sometimes they'll submit multiple tracks. I, uh, and that shows me that they're really serious. If, if, you know, there's like four or five tracks on that, okay, this, these guys have a lot of tracks in this genre. They're, they, they know what they're doing. And if they're all great, I'll definitely be calling them. I think there's one time I got a listing and someone had submitted eight. I'm thinking, okay, eight times five, that's 40 bucks. Wow, he was pretty serious. Um, but yeah, I just recently ran a, a, a listing and I got five forwards. Four were from the same two composers. And I, uh, I contacted them and they said, we wrote these specifically for this listing. We'd love to do more. This was a lot of fun. I'm like, go for it. That'd be awesome. We'd do a full album. So they did uh, six more in that style. All great. And they're about to send me the final versions probably tomorrow. And the album will come out in about two weeks. I've got a take on this situation. Um, mm -hmm. And please, viewers, don't send me emails arguing this point with me because this is not a hard, fast rule of taxi. It's not something that we even teach the screeners to do. This is going back to the early days of taxi when I was a screener. And let's say that I was doing screening a dramedy thing. And uh, I might have been the only screener on that one. So virtually or 100% of all the tracks that came in for that would ultimately go through my ears. And if I saw that one person submitted four or five things, I would think, oh, they're, um, what's the word I'm looking for? They're productive, you know, they're obviously are, yeah. are doing, they didn't accidentally stumble on one good thing. They're, they're uh -huh. being very productive and have a, um, I can't think straight. I got very little sleep last night while my daughter was throwing up, sadly. Okay. Anyway, um, the point being that I maybe overthought it, maybe I didn't. I might have done them a favor, maybe I didn't. Again, we don't teach the screeners to do this, but I would guess other screeners have had these same thoughts. And that is that if there are four things and you listen to the first one and you go, wow, that's perfect. That's definitely a forward. Listen to the second one and go, that's a forward too. You listen to the third one and you go, you know, that's pretty darn good. Most libraries would take that, but it's not as good as those first two. Mm -hmm. So now I'm thinking if Taxi forwards it, the three of them, or let's say there's even a fourth one that's also in that B plus, A minus category compared to the other two that are so obviously A plus, as a screener, do you forward an A minus, even though you've already forwarded two A pluses from that one person? Sometimes I felt like I was creating a possible bad scenario for the member, because what if the listener listens to the B plus A minus first? There are a lot of people that wouldn't go to the next two tracks from that same composer if the first and only thing they've heard was a B plus A minus. 
You might make an argument for, well, maybe they're curious and they want to see if there's something better in those other two. You could also make an argument that time is of the essence and, and they can't look at it casually like musicians would hope they would. Like, yeah, let me check out these other ones. It's like you're going lickety split because you're only making money when you're licensing stuff and that's where most yeah. of your, your time and effort are spent. So there were times, and I can't say I did it every time, where I wouldn't forward something and it was a comparison, even though we never compare one member's work to another, there were times where I compared one track to another from the same composer. And sometimes I didn't forward the B plus or A minus, even though it was pretty darn good, because I didn't want that one to be listened to first and hurt the chances. And I know that when we forward you an A plus, the first thing out of your mouth is, do you have a bucket full of those A pluses? Yeah, more of those, yeah, exactly. And they'll send those, like, okay, these are cool too. Yeah, and Definitely. sometimes, here's something that you and I and a group of, I don't know, 15, 20 other library owners, we all, were all on a Zoom maybe six months ago together that Taxi oh, yeah. initiated that Zoom. And we were telling you guys how frustrated we get when the members post stuff on the forum or send us an email and say, you guys only forwarded two out of my four submissions for this listing and the library owner signed those two, asked me what else I had and picked up the two that you didn't forward. So we actually proposed to all of you library owners, what if we create something and I shouldn't have called it this that name in the meeting, but I said, what if we created a B list? other stuff that's pretty darn good that you should hear. And am I exaggerating to say all the library owners are going, no, 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 don't do that. We love what you do exactly like you do it. And I was kind of bummed out because we didn't really solve that problem. So, I, you know, I want the members to know that a lot of stuff goes on behind the scenes that we really are constantly thinking, what can we do to better serve our members yeah. And what can we do to increase their chances of getting a deal? Sometimes it requires taxi taking the hit, the egg on the face, as it were, because we tried. We reached out to you library owners in a group of 15 or 20 or 25, whatever it was, and came up with what we thought was a worthy suggestion. But it, it didn't just get like, yeah, it got like, no, don't do it. <laughs> you remember yeah, that? I remember that. Yeah. yeah. What was that? I was like, was it? This year, earlier this year? Might have been. Love, it feels I, like it was like six or nine months ago. Yeah, this year has gone so fast. Oh my God. Yeah, ever since the COVID lockdown, it's like all time, it's the relativity of time, you know, three months doesn't feel like three months anymore. Two years doesn't feel, yeah. something changed after the lockdown. It's like January goes really slow. It's like all of a sudden February and it's just like, it's almost the holidays again. Yeah. No, well. Yeah, um, people are commenting, Carl Wurzbach says, uh, but they might like the minus more, excuse me, meaning like the B plus or the A minus more. We don't all like the same thing the same way. That's true, but I, I would be willing to make a stiff financial bet that if you let an independent third party like Chuck or another library owner be like the final arbiter of what taxi has forwarded that 
their taste would line up with our taste a lot because we get, we know Chuck, we know when he sends an email, this was a particularly good batch. Great job, you guys. We know that we've hit it out of the park for him and that gives us more in-depth knowledge of where his taste and his needs are. So we refine these relationships over time. Um, therefore, it's, it's not quite as simple as one person may like this B plus where another person may like the A plus. There's uh -huh. more, more nuance to it, I guess. Um, it seems like a B, Peter Rahill says, yeah, seems like a B list is the rejects. And I, I remember that meeting, I kept going, guys, I'm so sorry I called it the B list. It wasn't a great <laughs> name. It didn't mean that it's like less quality. We also find stuff, uh, the other thing we suggested in that meeting was sometimes, oftentimes the screeners hear stuff that's really good, that we know some library somewhere would want to take it. Um, but it's just not what your library is looking for at that moment in at time. At that time. Yeah. yeah, so if we don't send it to you and then the member gets it signed with you or any other library, then they go, well, Taxi didn't forward it. So you guys obviously didn't know greatness when you heard it. But the truth of the matter is, if let's go to my favorite analogy, the shoe store. You walk in to buy a pair of, you know, nine and a half D, um, Basswegian penny loafers and I bring you out a pair of ballet slippers, you might say, well, those are the prettiest and cutest ballet slippers I've ever seen, but I'm a guy and I need nine and a half D Basswegians. Uh, <laughs> so we do worry that the library owners would be like, well, that's great, Taxi, you're sending us this other list of stuff that screeners heard during the process of finding me the Basswegians, but if I wanted to hear a playlist of random stuff, like here, here's ballet slippers, here's cowboy boots, here's, you know, foamy flip-flops. If I wanted all that random stuff to sort through, I would just go out in the world and just look for random stuff. So, or I want a random listing for ballet slippers. That too. <laughs> that's yeah. what I was wanting. Yeah. That's, you know, honestly, that's one of the things that has caused us to start doing more taxi compilations is we do hear stuff that we know is absolutely usable um, by the networks or by whomever. And, and we know that you guys would find it income producing. So we will then, you know, run a listing. And here's the funny thing about whenever we run those compilation listings we get in great music it's extremely rare that we're not like bowled over by how good it is but our regular a-list i guess this is good for the people who aren't the matt vanderbos the chuck henry's of the world the, the a-list taxi members who've been around for a long time are so busy making money servicing their normal outlets that they don't even bother to submit to the compilation thing. So we actually get to hear a lot of newer members who are quite talented that we've never even heard from before. And then they go on the compilation, they get sent out to all these companies, literally like everybody who's been active in the last year with Taxi gets the compilation. Matt um, actually just texted me saying, I'll listen to you right now. <laughs> really? Speaking of the compilation, there was a compilation, I say this was a couple of years ago, of um, country songs. Yeah. I listened to it, and there was one on there 
I might have had, I think it had two songs. I don't remember. This absolute hit. I was like, okay, I got to email this guy right away. I mean, it was that amazing. This would have been a country hit. And he was like, well, I don't really do music that much anymore. He's kind of wishy-washy. I'm like, oh, dude, this is awesome. Never really went anywhere. It was, guy was so talented. It was just, I got to find that again. I maybe contact him. It was a hit, Michael. I totally. And, it was just and like, why would he even bother submitting if he I didn't want to pursue it? Sometimes musicians and I guess creative people, whether they're, you know, visual artists or musical artists or whatever, it's like, I wish that God would imbue them with the business half of the brain as well. Because I do see a lot of creative people that make really bad business choices. And yeah. that Peter Rahill says, that's a sad story. You bet your butt it is, Pete. <laughs> <laughs> no, it was a total hit. I don't know whatever happened to him or why he didn't want to do music anymore, but what a waste, you know? Very, very sad. Um, another thing, is, this is in your, your list of things to talk about. Another thing we can discuss is library etiquette. So first yeah. rule of library etiquette is, shh, don't disturb the other people reading by talking loudly. Oh no, not that kind of library. Um, so give some real life examples. You, you gave some here. I'm not gonna read them off because you've got a mouth and I'd love to hear them come from yours. Well, like we, have um, a, a, a PDF of guidelines for the composers to follow. Um, file so, delivery, metadata, all so that you, stuff. So you've heard their music, determined you want it in your catalog, you've reached out to them, they agreed to the terms of your deal. Okay, great, here's how you submit the music to us. Here's how, here's how you send the music, here's what the format we need it in. Every library has different formats and naming conventions. I don't know why. Uh, some want WAVES at 4824, some want AIFS at 4816. It's all different, never makes any sense. Anyway, um, <laughs> I, I, there was this, this New York library back when I was writing music, um, very successful library. They had this long, just pages of, had to follow everything to the T. The naming was very complicated, and every time I would write a new batch of uh, tracks for them, I have to go back and reread it and study it to make sure I didn't screw up anything. And uh, the guy was very appreciative that I followed the instructions and did it right. He goes, you don't know how many composers we have that say, oh, yeah, I got it, and they mess it up. So <laughs> just follow the instructions. Um, I'll tell you one story where I had a little story. Um, this one is very recent and it kind of surprised me. So we ran a listing recently and um, got some great tracks in. My mouth's leaking. Um, <laughs> I, I think there were 11 total composers on it. One of them I'd already signed before, so that made it easy. Uh, if I can remember, I picked, I think, five or six of the ones that came in. And they all pretty much got right back to me. We're excited. Uh, one of them, uh, he took a little bit of time, but he got back and he was seemed very nice. Uh, he's like, 
yeah, we have other stuff too, if you're interested and just let me know what uh, kind of alt burdens you need, you know, what, what kind of cut downs, uh, file delivery. And I sent them that PDF I told you about with the guidelines and I sent them the metadata sheet to fill out. And I said, just the full version and the bed mix and the 30 second edit for this is all we'll need. Okay. So a few days later, I see the WeTransfer link come in. I'm like, oh good, there it is. And I go to get it, I download it. I didn't look at it right then. I went to go, when I was processing the album, it was like, oh, he just sent the full version. I'm like, okay. So I had to email him back and I said, uh, we also need those, uh, the bed mix and the 30 second edit and the metadata sheet filled out that I sent you. Uh, as soon as you can get that to me, that will be awesome. I think that was about a, over a week ago, week and a half ago, like a Thursday before the weekend. Didn't hear anything. So then a week ago, Monday, I had Rhyme the third time and I said, um, we're going to be finishing this album up on Wednesday. It'll go live. And then to all the sub officers around the world on Thursday, I need to get these files as soon as possible, or we won't be able to include the out the, your track on the album. Still didn't hear anything. So now I have to write a, uh, uh, dissolve the agreement and revert all the rights to the track back to him 100% because the album's out. He missed it. Now, who knows? He could be laid up in the hospital or something. You, you don't know a person's story. But he did seem a little wishy-washy. So. <laughs> um, so who knows? Um, yeah, it's kind of mind-boggling. That's the part of being a library owner that I think a lot of musicians don't see. That's one example of one thing, but mm -hmm. you've got 350 writers in your catalog, and let's say you've got 10 tracks from each of them, roughly. A lot of things can go wrong when you start working in bigger numbers like that, and mm -hmm. the amount of time it takes to like undo that deal. Um, or to chase that person down with two, three, four emails. And now um, some libraries might really, really want that person's music in there in the worst possible way. They may push back their delivery date and the pub date on, on when that compilation goes out just because of one person's inaction. Mm. So yeah, there's a great etiquette. That's what etiquette is, is just what if you put yourself in the shoes of the other person on the other side of that deal? Would, if you were buying a new guitar, a beautiful, you know, vintage Strat that you just paid $12,000 for, and you've been drooling over it and you've wanted one forever, and the guy who's supposed to ship it to you from Peoria is like, oh, dude, I'm sorry. I, I know you paid for it. And I know I told you that I would send it out in a a wooden crate and have it, you know, FedEx for morning delivery on Friday. I'm so sorry, but my dog got out and it took us a day and a half to track down my dog. But thank God we got Lassie back in the house now. And we're good to go. I'm so, I'm so sorry. I'll get it to you by Monday. And then it doesn't show up on Monday. And you're like, we had a deal. How hard is it? And then it finally shows up a week from Monday and it's in a cardboard box, not a wooden crate. And it, you scratch your head and go, well, 
how hard is it to just do a simple thing and live up to what you promised? But I'm expecting he'll probably email me and say, oh, sorry, man, I've been busy. Here's those files. Well, it's too damn late now. Yeah. And you know what? You'll never want to work with that person again, which is sad for both of you because you may be missing out on a composer that makes great music. And he's missing out on working with a home run hitting library that gets tons of work for your, your composers. Everybody loses because he couldn't get it together. But in his mind, maybe he thinks, you know, it's kind of like, hey, teach, sorry I didn't get my homework in on time. My grandmother <laughs> surprised us and visited. She brought brownies. Um, and the teacher cuts you some slack and says, no problem, Johnny, bring them in on Monday. And then you don't, you blow that too. So. Mm -hmm. Like I said, who you know, who 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 knows what his story is? Something horrible could have happened. You know, I I don't know, but yeah. Pedro's in the chat room. Another library Pedro. owner says says sad, but happens often. Yeah, it is sad. Yeah. Um, any other etiquette stories you can think of? But uh, do you ever get anybody that gets belligerent on you? Like I can't I believe. Never. Wow. It must be your your sweet, kind, and endearing <laughs> demeanor, because many other libraries have told me stories about people that will call them up and go, "I don't want to sign an exclusive deal," and chew them out. And the library owner will say, "But, sir, the li listing we ran with Taxi had the word exclusive in it twice, and in both times it was in all caps. You couldn't miss it. You submitted your music for an exclusive." deal and now you're yelling at me because i won't change my business model to make you happy and it's scary that people will like don't you worry about pissing off somebody in the industry it's going to tell five other library owners don't deal with this person he or she is a jerk yeah oh i have stories about that not i'll tell about that later um but everyone that i have dealt with has been really professional and very nice I haven't had really any any bad problems yet. Ma'am, whatever yes. you are doing to cause that outcome is something you should <laughs> bottle and sell. Uh, I wow. did want to talk, we're talking about um, when you are uh, sending your music files to a library um, for inclusion on an album. I wrote a couple of things down here that people need to know. Okay. All right. The main thing is when you're sending the files and the alts, everything, alt means an alternate version like a bed mix or a drums and bass mix, whatever. Check your files. Um, for what? One, one uh, make sure the ending or the reverb tail isn't cut off. And you can do that with headphones. If you're at the sting ending of a track and all of a sudden it just <laughs> goes off. That's not good. Uh, there are times when I've been able to fix it myself in Pro Tools, but that's just extra work I have to do. Make sure uh, the ending sounds great. Um, make sure that it's not the wrong file or incorrectly labeled. I don't know how many times I've gotten files. I'm like, what the hell is that? That's not, that's not the right version. And they're like, oh, sorry, I didn't label it right or whatever. Um, 
also check for blank files. I've gotten that before where the file was just completely blank. So they didn't even too. bother to listen to, to the beginning, the middle, and the end to make sure it's all kosher or even there. Uh -uh. They just uh -uh. hit bounce, walked out of the room, had a TV dinner. Well, that's how old I am. Had a microwave dinner. Um, <laughs> Swanson's TV dinner. Honey, yeah. bring me more turkey and mashed potatoes with peas on the side. And Ew. yeah. Anyway. Um, and, uh, and, and one last thing, uh, make sure there's not a lot of dead space at the end. I've gotten files where the song ends and then blank space goes for like a minute or two after that. Which I can fix, but it's just I have to pop it in the Pro Tools and just cut it off and then. Do you have a water just, bottle cap in your left hand? Oh, I'm sorry. Right hand. I know. That's all right. I I'm, playing, I'm playing with a piece of Velcro that I use to wrap my cables. Um, uh, wow. Yeah, you know, Pedro's echoing that in, in the chat room. And I mean, that's like 101, you know. Uh, don't cut off your own, own ring out, your reverb tail. I mean, Put on headphones, pay attention, turn it up fairly loud, obviously not loud enough to cause ear damage, and make sure that that thing listen carefully and you don't hit stop until it's gone. But gone. don't let it go 20 seconds more or 60 seconds more. Just like, and gone. Give it maybe mm -hmm. a beat after the tail is gone and kill it. Because I've gotten, sometimes I, I'll, I'll when I'm doing an album with multiple composers, they all have different setups and there's gonna be different levels. So I'll do the mastering myself, which is fine. I don't mind that. That's just, you, you can't have everyone have the same levels. And I've thrown it into, you know, the Pro Tools, you can see the wave. And sometimes I've gotten that and there's just like this long bit of blank space at the end. I'm like, <laughs> you, didn't, you didn't check your damn files? So, um, one thing I want to stress too, two things here, is that make sure all of your files for a track start at zero, zero. And so say you have a song and the instrumental mix without the vocals. Yeah. That is so if an editor needs to duck out of the vocals so it doesn't conflict with the dialogue, he can do that, he or she can do that, and it's a seamless transition, which also means that when you don't have the vocal in there or the lead from the bed mix, whatever it is, it's going to have a bit less level, but don't go, oh, I need to turn this up a bit so it matches the other one. No, don't touch the level. Uh, any, you have the full mix, leave everything like that, mute whatever you have to mute, don't touch anything else. We're going to have a great example of that in the second panel at the Road Rally, which is November 2nd through the 5th in beautiful Los Angeles, California. And it's 100% free. Go to taxi.com slash rally. That address again is taxi.com slash rally. Um, I, I myself am a little astounded at how good this year's rally is looking to be. And... Uh, so we have a gentleman who is himself a composer and a very accomplished video editor 
who also happens to be a successful executive producer of many TV shows and documentaries, and he's a taxi member. And he sent me the nicest email, like, I don't know, six, seven, eight months ago. And I just thought, wow, it's so sweet of him to take, you know, like half an hour and send me a hundred word email just saying, look, you know, I see people giving you grief online. I want to let you know there are a lot of us out there that really appreciate what you're doing, blah, blah, blah. I was very grateful. I called him up. We just had the best time in that phone conversation. Turns out he lived 15, 20 minutes away. So we met for Japanese barbecue, uh, maybe two, three weeks later, and just had the best time at dinner. He said something at dinner that caused me to say, would you do a panel at the road rally about that? So he is. And so we ran a listing for true crime uh, instrumental tracks. And the mm -hmm. screeners did what they would normally do. And then we sent him a batch and let him pick, okay, these are the cues that I would typically use in a show. And he got permission from one of the networks of, to use v video footage of a show that he'd previously produced. So it's something that's aired already and they were comfortable with that. And he is going to show how he lays in music. Well, we've done that before at the Road Rally a couple of times. But the thing he said at dinner that night that really got my attention was he talked about how he uses stems. And oftentimes it could literally be something as simple as just one string part doing a and he will actually use the stems almost like instruments like he's playing another instrument and as he was describing how he used them i went i don't think anybody has ever told me that in all the years i've been in the industry and i'm automatically thinking well geez if every library owner and every instrumental cue creator knows, heard what he's about to say on stage at the rally and did what he's proposing and then made editors aware of this. It's like all of a sudden the editors could up the quality of the music in their shows by 15, 20% in a heartbeat. So we ran the listing, we got the stuff, we reached out to the members who've been picked by our screeners and ultimately him and said, send us stems because the listing actually said you're going to get stems are going to be requested one of the people sent in a bunch of stems that were at different levels they weren't at the relative levels they were within the mix so that renders them essentially useless useless yeah and so uh the executive producer slash composer slash editor reached out to us and said do you guys want to reach out to this person and even though the listing i believe the listing might have even said make sure the relative levels are the same so the person wasn't careful about that, didn't follow instructions. And the editor producer guy said, do you want me to use this as an example of why it doesn't work when you don't follow that rule? So I believe he will probably incorporate that into the presentation, not in an effort to make that member look bad, probably won't even mention the member's name, but it's a lesson that will be well learned when you can actually hear how it's becomes unusable when the levels don't work. Mm -hmm. What so, day is that one on? Uh, Friday morning, right after the keynote. I think it's... Oh, that's, what I'm, that's what I'm doing my mentor stuff, so I won't be able to see it. Friday morning at... Do I have a rally scheduled nearby? Almost <laughs> always. Um, 
Yeah, it's going to start at 10.30 a.m. Friday. Yeah, that's, well, that's where I'm doing the mentor stuff. Oh, well. All right. I will make sure that um, I'll get you a transcript of it or something. Okay. I'll make sure that, you know, we're close friends and you've been a client for a very long time and made a lot of our members very happy by making them money and getting them great placements. I will make sure that you... Um, you find out what he says. Um, anyway, I'm so looking forward to that. Uh, it's going to be great. And he's got a really lovely, big personality. I can't wait to get him on stage because he's just like the most enthusiastic, positive person and funny as well. So cool. I think it's going to be really good. Um, here's a really interesting I thing. Go ahead. I just had a few more things, but go ahead. Well, maybe we should hear them. Uh, one thing, and this is just an OCD thing of mine, when you're making the different versions for a track, if the full version is at 138, then all the alternate versions must end at 138, not 139, not 142, not 137. Which isn't a huge deal, but that just kind of gets on my nerve. Yeah, because you're wondering, is it all the same cue or were these? Yeah. yeah. Or is it, uh, did they cut off something? And it's like to be nice and even. All right. Anything else you want to add on there? Did we want to talk about the, um, oh, uh, one thing, which this uh, should, this is so basic, never use uncleared samples you think that everyone would know that what i think a I, lot of people don't know what the real definition of an uncleared sample is are you talking about an organ sound are you talking about a rap from a record are you talking about a guitar lick give some examples of what uncleared samples are. i had a composer submit this really awesome lo-fi chill hop album this is a couple years ago it was great great tracks and one especially that I really liked, I was like, man, that, that's really cool. So I said, yeah, look at this deal. This is awesome. And he goes, oh, by the way, that one track, um, I used a Sam Cooke sample. Is that okay? <laughs> I'm like, no, no, it's not okay. Why, why did he think that a Sam Cooke sample? Went, I, went, I guess yeah. some people just don't know. No. I even had people submit tracks and they were like, uh, yeah, I, I, I did use some samples in those tracks, but I can take them out for the you know final mix. Why even bother putting in uncleared samples in the first place? Because who's to say that you might forget to take one out and that gets released and it gets dinged? Everybody's, yeah. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, just don't use uncleared samples in any way shape or form not even to build a track or anything um one of the it. questions we get asked all the time is um what about loops um i people, have a story on that yeah people love to go to splice which is a great company and many other um suppliers of loops like that and they're not really clear on if they can use loops and if they can use them how to best use them to stay out of trouble please elucidate. I have told this story before, but some people 
not have heard it. And I thought of a good quote, like with technology these days, it's very easy these days to create tracks, which is very different than writing music. So <laughs> this composer contacted me, this was uh, about three years ago, I don't know. And he said he had this ambient hip hop album, instrumental, he'd like to submit it. I'm like, all right. So I listened to all the 10 tracks. Like, wow, this is really good. Oh my God. I was like, dude, yeah, we'll totally take this. This is some amazing stuff here. We would really like it. Uh, so signed it. Yeah, it took two days uh, getting it in, you know, processing it, doing the artwork. It's in the library, all good to go. And then I was talking, talking to a library owner friend of mine, because we all talk amongst ourselves. And I said, yeah, I just got this great ambient hip hop album in. He's like, oh yeah, who's the composer? And I, I, I told him his name. And he's like, dude, that's a guy I was telling you about. Oh, the wow. guy who takes the example tracks from sample packs and passes them off as his own. I'm like, oh crap, really? It's like, dude, you need to go check those out just to make, you know, Shazam. So I'm like, oh man, okay. So we got the phone. I went downstairs, fired up the tracks, went Shazam, immediately first track came up. Exact, it had vocals on it, the one that came up. Exact same instrumental bed, everything, not a doggone thing changed. I was like, all right, let's keep going. Second one, boom, hit. Every track hit. There was nothing that had been changed from the example tracks. Oh, I was pissed. And, and so when you say change, somebody could take the example track and just edit four bars of that and maybe reverse part of it or add it another. didn't do that. Or it add an instrument. So if you substantially, correct me if I'm wrong about this, but if you substantially modify the original thing so that if by chance during a breakdown or something, it plays by itself, it is not a mirror image of the original track. Exactly. Change up the samples, the loops, change the tempo, change the key, chop them up, make it indistinguishable from the original loop or sample which he did not do. And, and it sounds like, like he'd been warned about this by the other library owner, maybe several other library owners. Oh, and he's persisted. Supposedly, he's supposedly notorious uh, for, for doing this. And every time he's like, oh, sorry, I learned my lesson. I, I won't do it again. He does it again. So he's, he's been blackballed <laughs> by a lot of libraries. I, I've been... I uh, I have oftentimes said there's no official blacklist for the library industry, but you know it's mm -hmm. not unusual that a group of library owners could be at a table at the PMC Awards, which, by the way, you had a song nominated this year. Congratulations! Yes, we for didn't. That. We didn't win. Didn't win. Doggone it! But you know what hey, they say. It's great. It's great to be nominated. Yes. There you go. Well, congratulations. I mean, you're up against, you're up against every library in the world. The top, like APM, BMG. Uh, Warner Chapel, the top ones, and just to get nominated, you know, my little company, that's pretty great. I was very happy. That's Next great. year I'm going to win. Congratulations. Um, Thank you. So, yeah, people, you know, could be at a PMC, you know, or any other industry dinner where there's a round of 10 people. 
sitting there, and you're right, most library owners know the other library owners. Many of you were friends back in the day when you were still just composers. Yeah. Just composers, you know what I mean. And um, people talk. They don't do it with the intent of besmirching somebody or ruining their reputation, but you know, if you've been burned in the context of a business relationship, you're within your rights to mention it. Other people are going to go, oh yeah, not that guy again. Yeah. All right, next subject. Um, you said, we can also talk about what music is good to be doing these days. Everybody wants to know, what are the hot genres? And you go on to say, which you, uh, conflicting information. Earlier you said there are 3 million libraries. Now in this, you're saying there are 10 million libraries. Which is it, Chuck? Yes. <laughs> uh, I was exaggerating, but there's quite a few. <laughs> really? Um, anyways, uh, and they're all churning out the same old overdone crap over and over. Some of it's good, some not so good, but how many dark tension albums or dramedy or tense drone albums do you need out there? And with AI creeping in at a crazy fast pace, it's going to make, make it even more difficult. For the past few years, even before AI came into play, I've really been searching for more unique styles and cool mashups of genres. That's the way, the only way to compete and stand out these days with the oversaturation of libraries. Blaze new trails and don't just follow what everybody else is doing. That's the only hope at, po at this point, I think, which is think outside the box. So your point is really well taken. I will admit, here's a little inside behind the scenes at Taxi Thing. When you or any of the libraries that we work with on the regular, on a regular basis, you know, ask us for, you know, Polish hip hop with Polish lyrics in it, we're like, oh crap, this is going to have very narrow appeal for our members. And of course, we want as many members to feel like Taxi is fruitful to them as possible. On the other hand, we understand why you're doing it. I contend, and I think you and I are in agreement on this, that the people, people do need to think outside the box. It's like, make a hip hop track Google Polish hip hop. What about it instrumentally might be different than, you know, West Coast hip hop in America or, you know, early 90s hip hop or whatever version of hip hop. What makes the Polish musically different? And then find yourself somebody who can write lyrics and sing in Polish. Find ways to reinvent yourself. Yeah. Be, I'd rather be a big fish because man if you've got polish hip-hop there aren't going to be a lot of polish hip-hop tracks in any catalog other than maybe one in poland itself they actually uh, just got submitted uh this composer submitted polish hip-hop so i'm actually fixing to have some <laughs> <laughs> no, believe it or not it's funny you to mention that but it, you know you could be a big fish in a small pond while there aren't weekly requests for polish hip-hop on the t you know in the TV editor world, virtually every time that there is a request, your catalog, your sub-catalog within your catalog of Polish hip-hop is the thing that's going to get looked at most often. So if somebody is in there and they've got five or ten tracks out of the 30 that you've got, their odds are pretty darn good of getting something licensed. I, I think I mean, it's a it really... Might, it, it, Go ahead. It might not be totally... It might not be, you know totally mainstream but if you have it and they know you're like you have this they're gonna come right for it 
that's why I tried to have a lot of different genres. It started uh, about a few years ago. The supervisor was asking for gospel music. I was like, oh, I don't have any gospel. Uh, but And that got me thinking, God, that's a good idea to have kind of more unique genres. And that's when I started that kind of direction of finding more unique stuff and, and having it there. And it's been great for our software business because our music doesn't conflict or compete with what the other catalogs they have have. Um, still ain't got a damn gospel album yet. But <laughs> really? Yeah. Uh, no. Have you, you've run but listings what, with Taxi and just didn't find enough good material? Why don't you have one yet? Yeah. Uh, there's only so much, so many hours, so much music to do. <laughs> I will get one. I will. All right. It's hard. That's, that, that, that was hard to find. Yeah, you know, I mean, nothing like, you know, uh, there's a word for it, a phrase, tent gospel, you know, like um, Southern gospel um, that would take place in, in a, a revival tent, you know, mm -hmm. that kind of gospel. Nothing more authentic, I don't believe personally, in, in the yeah. gospel world than that stuff. Um, but yeah, nobody's going to have it because who's got a recording with 30 or 50 voices on it where everybody's... Yeah, yeah, signed off on a work for hire, you know, yeah. It's hard to do. Wow, that would be a good project for somebody, though, would be to go out and go to a church and say, I'll make a $500 donation to your church and order up some food on Sunday mm -hmm. afternoon if your band and choir would hang out with me for two hours and, and do, um, even if they were doing... Um, public domain stuff, so nobody had to write it. They would probably already know it, but yeah, having an authentic gospel choir, of course, with a B3 in there, gotta have the B3. Um, that, that reminds me of a, a brief I saw a number of years ago, uh, some library in New York, I guess. They're looking for uh, authentic, original big band music, recorded live, and need it in a week. I'm like, okay. So I'm going to arrange an entire big band song. I'm going to go hire five saxes, five trumpets, five trombones, rhythm section, write, range, record on a week for nothing. There's no money up front. Wow. And but I yeah, a week? week. Yeah. It's like, okay, good luck with that. Well, it's always enlightening to talk to you about this stuff because, I mean, I, I know you so well uh, on a personal level to know that you're a gen you are a very pro musician. You are one. You have been one of the composers in your own catalog. All your friends, you know, are largely musicians. Um, and, and it's good that people get to see us having this discussion because there's still a stigma in the industry that the people on the business side are somehow out to get people or hurt people or can't be trusted. And, and I think you are a great example of virtually all music library owners I know that just, you wanna put a smile on your composer's faces by getting them work. All they have to do to put a smile on yours is make it easy for you to ingest and sell their music. Yeah. 
and I, I, I love my job. I love meeting new composers around the world. It's even best, better when I get to meet them at the rally. Which uh, is coming right up, by the way, November 2nd through the 5th. <laughs> um, and you are going to be doing some one-to-one -one mentoring for those of you who come to the rally. If you would like uh, Chuck to be your mentor, you can sign up. Um, it's first come, I've first. Actually, I've actually signed quite a few uh, of people who I had the mentor sessions with. We hear that all the time. You know, it used to be like, ooh, somebody got signed because of the rally. This is just a shoot from the hip guess, but I would say somewhere on the order of 20 or 30% of all the music that gets signed in any given year through Taxi now happens because of relationships made at the rally. And I signed over half of them last year that were my, there's eight mentor sessions. I signed over half of them. Um, I guess I shouldn't be surprised there's that much good music that wants to yeah. sit down, but I'm sure that those people, they had that in mind and they showed up at the rally thinking, I need to meet that guy. Uh, and then there, there, there's, you know, let's have a beer or excuse me, I don't mean to interrupt your, your um, soy burger. <laughs> vegetarian. <laughs> Not that there's anything wrong with that. I'm just saying it. it's like Chuck and I go out to dinner. It's like, okay, I got to think of some place that's got good soy food for Chuck. Um, <laughs> anyway, good salads. yeah, we do have to go back to that sushi restaurant we went to nearly three years ago. The one on Ventura Boulevard, probably. Oh, God, that was so good. Yeah, it was. I can't remember the name of it. Tiny little place had like four tables in it, but it was so good. It was um, so fancy, too. The little... Uh, oh god it was it was really cool and we have to make a point of going to someplace as sushi on little boats going around you know those think those places get laughed at with the ones with the little trains of sushi on them or the little boats <laughs> i have actually eaten at a sushi boat place and thought it was some of the best sushi i've ever had i don't know wow. why that is but it was great i was actually in uh oh gosh vancouver Vancouver has a ton of great sushi restaurants. Really cheap, too. But anyway, um, you are also going to be doing a panel with me, which is something we've never really done before. Saturday, but, right? Uh, it's a listening panel. That's right. Uh, there's a listening panel with you. That's the only one I know about. <laughs> Now, maybe that was it. I'm confusing it. Yeah, you're on the Saturday morning listening panel, 9.15. Um, you, Steve Barden, Noel Webb, and Pedro. Um, I'm excited because I don't think Noel has ever been on a panel before with us at the rally. Um, so I'm excited to have all of you guys and bring a fresh pair, pair of ears in on that one. There's something I'm doing somewhere that I thought you were on, but... If it was, I don't know about it. Nah, you're not. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think I made the decision. There were two, two, you and somebody else. I think I took you guys off because I didn't want so many people on the panel because then everybody gets so little. Oh, here it is. Um, hear from your peers, an open Q&A, which is going to have no agenda, no pre-written questions from me. It's it's Greg Carosa, Jim Thacker, C.K. Barlow, and Pedro Costa, um, two, two out of the four people actually have libraries, um, and the and all four of them are highly accomplished creators of music for media. 
Um, and it's just going to be, okay, walk into the ballroom audience and hit these guys with your questions about anything. And, and I hope that a lot of the questions are things that they, that they think will embarrass Taxi or embarrass me. It's like, do you guys really listen to everything? You know, stuff like that, that people have long wanted to ask. They can feel free to ask it here and not get an answer from me so much as get an answer from library owners and other members that are, you know, we're sitting in the exact same chairs as you are today. So not you, but them. Anyway, I'm, 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 I hope this goes as well as I think it will or hope it does. Could be a total meltdown. Um, do you remember last year at the beginning of the rally? Uh, I don't know if you were in there for the opening, but I said, you know, and I've never done this before. And as the words were leaving my mouth, I'm going, oh, my God, what did I just say? Everybody in this room who's ever signed a deal or had a placement, would you please stand up? And I thought, how embarrassing. As I was saying it, I thought, what if only three people out of the thousand people in the ballroom <laughs> stand up? I'm going to look like a total idiot. As it turned out, I would say like 30, 40% of the people in the ballroom stood up. It was a sizable chunk. Right. And I went, wow. So I'm probably going to do that again this year. Um, I, hear they're, I hear they're renovating the hotel again. They are. They're doing a really serious renovation. And we just found out literally like, early last week oh yeah by the way this this part of the hotel not usable this year we have to reroute the um the registration line doesn't isn't yeah, going to go through the zigzag room like it oh. used to and the uh, lobby's torn up isn't it yeah i don't know what shape they said the lobby will be done by the time we arrive but you know how construction goes over budget and over time ain't gonna happen <laughs> They were putting we'll in this giant chandelier when we were there the other day, figuring out where the registration line will go. Um, but the the rooms have all gotten like new paint, new carpet, new furniture. Um, I don't get my usual uh, suite at the hotel. They're always very what? kind. Of, yeah, they always give me the presidential suite, yeah. which had a grand piano. It With had a piano. Yeah, yeah it, it had a Yamaha seven foot. 10 inch or whatever it was, seven, seven foot, six inch Yamaha um, Grand that had e hardly ever been played. They Probably sold, yeah, it was out of tune, but they sold it. They, they sold it off. And I said, why didn't you guys give me the first call? I happen to love Yamaha Grands. I had one in my studio in Fort Lauderdale. Yeah, good. Slightly bright, but that's good for Very recording. Bright. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, for pop and rock recording, a Yamaha Grand sometimes will sound better than a Steinway is good for classical or dreamy. Classical and solo. Yeah. yeah. But um, yeah, I love my Yamaha. Uh, anyway. That's a, that's a Steinway back there. Really? That's the one that I grew up on. Yeah. Uh, how big is it? It looks like it's six seven. feet? Seven? Wow. Seven. Man. Yeah, that's the other thing I didn't mention about Chuck. He is a world class pianist. And. Oh. Uh, they took the piano out of the lobby at the hotel so nobody can just walk up and sit down and play otherwise. We yeah. had some good times on that back in the day. Yeah. Oh my God, everyone would you know, stand around the piano and playing instruments and singing at three in the morning. Yeah. Those were the days. Singing the theme song to Cheers, no doubt. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, Chuck, thank you for suggesting this show. Thank you for writing up your notes because they came in really handy when uh, Things went south today with that trip to the ER and everything. So really appreciate the fact that you sent me pages and pages like that. There's still stuff we didn't get to, but we'll 
get to it in part two sometime. Absolutely, we will. And uh, all you guys, if you haven't gone and signed up for the road rally, please do. Um, the mentor lunches, by the way, are already two-thirds sold out. So if you haven't booked the mentor lunch, go to taxi.com slash rally. Um, book your rally seats, which are free. The mentor lunch you pay for, but we don't make a penny on that. It literally just goes right from the taxi credit card account into the hotel's credit card account. Because believe it or not, they want to get paid when they serve food. Uh, sure. But yeah, the mentor lunches, that's another place people have shocked me with how many deals have happened as a result of that. Um, I will see you, my brother, in about 10 a week days. week and a half. Yeah. Yeah, 10 days. Wow. <laughs> All right. Thank you, sir. And uh, thank you guys in the chat room. Oh, there you are. Thank you all for being part of this little shindig today. Rally is life-changing. Thanks, Emily. Is your hair long or short now? I, don't, I hope I recognize <laughs> you. Never know with him. Uh, Amanda West, send me $5,000 and I'll come. Well, you know, the dollar ain't worth what it used to be there, Amanda. Um, all right. Uh, Himley says his hair is short. Great. Well, you may want to walk up and say, hi, Mark Himley. <laughs> I don't think he's coming. He's, he's not coming? I think, I think that's, I think that's what he said. Because look oh. at this year. Maybe oh, I'm wrong. No. All right. Well. All right. Well, uh, Think about it, Himley. Come. Yeah, come on. <laughs> All right, bye, everybody. We're way over on time. We're seven minutes over. That might be a record. Bye-bye. See <laughs> you. Oh, no uh, show next week. No taxi TV next week. That's when we do the, the final, like, three-hour meeting where we do the checklist before the road rally. So the next time I see you guys, we'll be at the road rally. Bye-bye. <laughs>